story ten of the thirteen travellers by hugh walpole this LibriVox recording is in the public domain story ten lizzie rand lizzie rand was just forty-six years of age when old mrs Routon mackenzie died leaving her all her money months later she had not thoroughly realized what had happened to her until that day of mrs mackenzie's death she had never had any money she had spent her life her energies her pluck and her humour in the service of one human being after another and generally in the service of women it seemed to her to be really funny that the one who had during her life begrudged her most should in the end be the one who had given her everything but no one had ever understood old mrs mackenzie and as likely as not she had left her money to lizzie rand just to spite her numerous relations lizzie had expected nothing she never did expect anything which was as well perhaps because no one ever gave her anything she was not a person to whom one naturally gave things she had a pride a reserve an assertion of her own private liberty that kept people away and forbade intimacy that had not always been so in the long-ago days when she had been adela bimister's secretary she had given herself she had loved a man who had not loved her and out of the shock of that she had won a friendship with another woman which was still perhaps the most precious thing that she had but that same shock had been enough for her she guarded with an almost bitter ferocity the purity and liberty of her soul all the women whose secretaries she had afterwards been had felt this in her and most of them had resented it old mrs mackenzie had resented it more than any of them she was a selfish painted over-decorated old creature a widow with no children and only nephews and nieces to sigh after her wealth one of lizzie's chief duties had been to keep these nephews and nieces from the door and this she had done with a certain grim austerity finding that none of them cared for the aunt and all for the money the outraged relations decided of course at once that she was a plodding despicable creature it is doing her less than justice to say that the idea that the money would be left to her never for a single instant entered her mind mrs mackenzie taunted her once for expecting it of course you're waiting she said like all of them to pick the bones of the corpse lizzie rand laughed now is that like me she asked and more important is it like you mrs mackenzie sniggered her tinkling wheezy snigger there was a certain honesty between them they had certain things in common i don't like you she said i don't see how anyone could you're too self-sufficient but you certainly have a sense of humor there had been a time once when many people liked lizzie and she reflected now with a little shudder that perhaps only one person in the world rachel seddon the woman friend before mentioned liked and understood her why had she shut herself off why presented so stiff so immaculate so cold a personality to the world she was not stiff not cold not immaculate it was perhaps simply that she felt that it was in that way only that she could get her work done and to do her work thoroughly seemed to her now to be the job best worth while in life 
during the war she had almost broken from her secretaryship and gone forth to do red cross work or anything that would help a kind of timidity that had grown upon her with the years a sense of her age and of her loneliness held her back twenty years ago she would have gone with the first now she stayed with mrs mackenzie mrs mackenzie died on the day of the armistice november eleventh nineteen eighteen her illness had not been severe lizzie had had at the most only a week's nursing it had been obvious from the first that nothing could save the old lady mrs mackenzie had not looked as though she were especially anxious that anything should save her she had lain there in scornful silence asking for nothing complaining of nothing despising everything lizzie admitted that the old woman died game there had followed then that hard bewildering period that lizzie knew by now so well where she must pull herself so reluctantly so heavily towards the business of finding a new engagement she did not of course expect mrs mackenzie to leave her a single penny she stayed for a week or two with her friend rachel seddon but rachel a widow with an only son was so tumultuously glad at the return of her boy safe and whole from the war that it was difficult for her just then to take any other human being into her heart she loved lizzie and would do anything in the world for her she was indeed forever urging her to give up these sterile companionships and secretaryships and come and make her home with her but lizzie this time felt her isolation as she had never done before i'm getting old she thought and i'm drifting off soon i shall be utterly alone the thought sent little shivering ghosts climbing about her body she saw in the gay happy careless kindly eyes of young tom seddon how old she was to the new generation he called her aunt liz took her to the theatre and was an angel nevertheless an angel happily almost boastfully secure in another warmer planet than hers then came the shock mrs mackenzie had left her everything the equivalent of about eight thousand pounds a year at first her sense was one of an urgent need of rest she sank back amongst the cushions and pillows of rachel's house and refused to think refused to think at all she considered for a moment the infuriated faces of the Mackenzie relations. Then they, too, passed from her consciousness. When she faced the world again, she faced it with the old common sense that had always been her most prominent characteristic. She had eight thousand a year. Well, she would do the very best with it that she could. Rachel, who had appeared to be more deeply excited than she over the event, had various suggestions to offer— but lizzie had her own ideas she could not remember the time when she had not planned what she would do when somebody left her money she took one of the most charming flats in horton's bought beautiful things for it etchings by d t cameron one nevinson and a john drawing some japanese prints she had books and soft carpets and flowers and a piano and had the prettiest spare room for a friend then she stopped and looked about her there were certain charities in which she had been always deeply interested especially one for poor gentlewomen there was a home too for illegitimate babies she remembered with a happy irony the occasion when she had tried to persuade mrs mackenzie to give something to these charities and had failed 
well mrs mackenzie was giving now all right lizzie hoped that she knew it there accumulated around her all the business that clusters about an independent woman with means she was on committees many people who would not have looked twice at her before liked her now and asked her to their houses again she stopped and looked about her still there was something that she needed what was it companionship more than that affection a centre to her life someone who needed her someone to whom she was of more importance than anyone else in the world even a dog she was forty-six without being plain she was too slight too hard-drawn too masculine above all too old to be attractive to men an old maid of forty-six she faced the truth she gave little dinner parties and felt more lonely than ever even it seemed there was nobody who wanted to make her a confidant people wanted her money but herself not at all she was not good conversationally she said sharp sarcastic things that frightened people people did not want the truth they wanted things to be wrapped up first as her mother and sister had wanted them years ago she was a failure socially in spite of her money she could not be genial and yet her heart ached for love at this moment mr edmund lapsley appeared lizzie met him at a party given by mrs philip mark in bryanston square mrs mark was an old friend of rachel's a kindly and clever woman with an ambitious husband who would never get very far her parties were always formed by a strange mixture dictated first by her kind heart and second by her desire to have people in her house who might possibly help her husband edmund lapsley originated in the former of these impulses he was not much to look at long lanky with a high bony head a prominent roman nose and large cracking fingers he was shabbily dressed awkward in his manner and apprehensive it was his eyes that first attracted lizzie's attention they were beautiful large brown eyes with the expression of a lost and lonely dog seated deep in their pupils he sat with lizzie in a corner of the crowded drawing-room to arrange his long legs so that they should not be in the way cracked his long fingers together and endeavoured to be interested in the people whom lizzie pointed out to him ah, that's henry trenchard lizzie said that wild-looking boy with the untidy hair he's very clever going to be our great novelist that's his sister milly mrs mark's sister too isn't she pretty she's the loveliest of the family that uh, stout clergyman is a trenchard cousin they all hang together in the most wonderful way you know his wife ran away and never came back again i don't think i wonder he looks heavy and so on lizzie wondered to herself why she bothered it was not her habit to gossip and mr lapsley was obviously not at all interested i beg your pardon she said you don't want to know who these people are no he said in a strange sudden desperate whisper i don't i lost my wife only three months ago i'm trying to go out into the world again i can't it doesn't do any good he gripped his knee with one of his large bony hands i'm so sorry lizzie said i didn't know how tiresome of me to have gone on chattering like that you should have stopped me he seemed himself to be surprised at the confession that he had made 
he stared at her in a bewildered fashion like an owl suddenly flashed into light he stared saying nothing suddenly in the same hurried husky whisper he went on do you mind my talking to you i, I want to talk to somebody i'd like to tell you about her please said lizzie looking into his eyes they were tender and beautiful so unlike his ugly body and full of unhappiness he talked the words tumbled out in an urgent tremulous confusion they had been married it appeared ten years ten wonderful happy years how she can have cared for me that's what i never understood miss miss uh, rand said lizzie I, I beg your pardon difficult to catch when you are introduced never understood i was years older than she i'm fifty now forty when i married her and she was only twenty thirty when she when she died in childbirth it was the child a boy was born dead everyone prophesied disaster they all told her not to marry me she was so pretty and so young and so brilliant she sang miss rand just like a lark she did indeed she was trained in paris i oughtn't to have proposed to her i suppose that's what i tell myself now but i was carried off my feet completely off my feet i couldn't help myself at all i loved her from the first moment that i saw her you know how these things are miss rand and in any case i don't know ten perfect years that's a good deal for anyone to have isn't it and she was as happy as i was it may seem strange to you looking at me but it was really so she thought i was so much cleverer than i was and better too it used to make me very nervous sometimes lest she should find me out you know and leave me i always expected that to happen but she was so charitable to everyone never could see the bad side of people and they were always better with her than with anyone else we'd always hoped for a child and then as the years went on we gave it up edmund she said to me we must make it up to one another and then she told me it was going to be all right you wouldn't have believed two ordinary people could be so happy as we were when we knew about it we made many plans of course i was a little apprehensive that i'd be rather old to bring up a child but she was so young that made it all right so wonderfully young and then she died it was incredible of course i didn't believe it i don't believe it now she's not dead that's absurd you'd feel the same if you'd seen her miss rand so full of life and then suddenly nothing at all it's impossible nature isn't like that things gradually die don't they and change into something else not suddenly he broke off he was clutching his knees and staring in front of him i don't know why i talk to you like this miss rand i hope you'll forgive me i shouldn't have bothered you i'm pleased that you have mr lapsley she got up she felt that he would be glad now to escape i have a flat in horton's chambers in duke street number forty two do come just telephone he looked up at her not rising from his seat then he got up i will he said thank you he was still staring at her and she knew that he had something further to say she could see it struggling in his eyes but she did not want him to confess any more he would be the kind of man to regret afterwards what he had done she would not burden his conscience 
and yet she had the knowledge that it was something very serious that he wanted to tell her something that had been in reality at the back of all his earlier confession she refused the appeal in his eyes said good night took his hand for a moment and turned away afterwards she was talking to catherine mark i see you were kind to poor mr lapsley catherine said how sad about his wife lizzie answered yes and she really was young and beautiful no one understood why she married him but i've never seen anything more successful i didn't think he'd come tonight but i'm fond of him philip doesn't care for him much but he reminds me of a cousin of ours john trenchard who was killed in russia in the second year of the war but john was unhappier than mr lapsley he never had his perfect years yes that's something lizzie acknowledged it was strange to her afterwards that edmund lapsley should persist so vividly in her mind she saw him with absolute clarity almost as though he were with her in her flat she thought of him a good deal he needed someone to comfort him and she needed someone to comfort she hoped he would come and see her he did come one afternoon quite unexpectedly and without telephoning first fortunately she was there alone and wanting someone to talk to at first he was shy and self-conscious they talked stiffly about london and the weather and the approaching peace and whether there would ever be a league of nations and how high prices were and how impossible it was to get servants and when you got them they went lizzie broke ruthlessly in upon this it isn't the least little good mr lapsley she said our talking like this it's mere waste of time we both know plenty of people to whom we can chatter this nonsense either we are friends or we are not if we are friends we must go a little further are we friends he seemed to be at a loss he blinked at her yes he said well then she looked at him and smiled i don't want to force your confidence but there was something that you were anxious to tell me about the other night some way in which i could help you i stopped you then but i don't want to stop you now i'll be honored indeed if there's anything i can do he gulped stammered then out it came at the first hint of his trouble it was all that lizzie could do to repress an impatient gesture his trouble was spiritualism of all the tiresome things of all the things about which she had no patience at all of all the idiotic money-wasting imbecilities he poured it all out he had read books at last a friend had taken him a dr orloff a very wonderful medium a very trustworthy man a man about whom there could be no question on the first occasion the results had been poor on the second occasion his margaret had spoken to him actually spoken to him oh but there could be no doubt her very voice his own voice shook as he spoke of it since then he had been he was forced to admit a number of times almost every day every day every afternoon he talked to margaret every day now for half an hour or more he was sure it was all right he was doing nobody any harm they two together it could not be wrong but he stopped lizzie gave him no help she sat there looking in front of her she despised him 
she was conscious of a deep and bitter disappointment she did not know how he could betray his weakness his softness his gullibility she had thought him she looked up suddenly knowing that his voice had stopped he was gazing at her in despair his eyes wide with an unhappiness that struck deep to his heart you despise me he said yes she answered i do but she was aware at the same time that she could have gone across to him and put her hand on his head and comforted him that's all false you know it is you're only deluding yourself because you want to persuade yourself it's weak of you your wife can't come to you that way don't take it from me his voice was an agonized cry it's all i have it's true it's true it must be true they were suddenly in contact she felt a warm sense of protection and pity a longing to comfort and help so strong that she instinctively put her hand to her heart as though she would restrain it oh i didn't mean she cried that i'd take anything away from you no no never that if you thought that i meant that you're wrong keep anything you've got perhaps i'm mistaken the mediums i've known have been charlatans that's prejudiced me then i don't think i want my friends to come back to me in quite that way if it's true it seems to be forcing them against their will as it were oh i know a great many people now are finding it all true and good i don't know anything about it i shouldn't have said what i did and then you see i've never lost anyone whom i loved very much never mr Amsley asked staring at her with wide-open eyes no never i think he got up and came across to her standing near to her looking down upon her she saw that she had aroused his interest that she had suddenly switched his attention upon herself she had aroused him in the only way that he could be aroused by stirring his pity for her she knew exactly how suddenly he saw her as a lonely unhappy deserted old maid she did not mind that the attention of any single human being should be centered upon her for herself was a very wonderful touching thing silence fell between them the pretty room gray and silver in the half-light gathered intimately around them when at last he went away it seemed that the last ten minutes had added years to their knowledge of one another a strange time for lizzie followed edmund lapsey had rushed into her life with a precipitate urgency that showed how empty before it had been but there was more than their mere contact in the affair she was fighting a battle all her energies were in it she was ruthless savage tooth and nail he should be snatched from this spiritualism it was a silent battle he never spoke to her again of it he did not say whether he went or not and she did not ask him but soon they were meeting almost every day and she felt with a strange almost savage pleasure that her influence over him grew with every meeting she discovered many things about his character he was weak undecided almost subservient a man whom she would have despised perhaps had it not been for the real sweetness that lay at the roots of him she very quickly understood how this girl margaret although so young and so ignorant of the world must have dominated him any woman could she thought almost angrily to herself and yet there was a kind of pride behind her anger 
she would not confess to herself that what she was really fighting was the memory of the dead girl or if she confessed at all it was to console herself with the thought that it was right for him now to cheer up a little cheer up he did it was curious to watch the rapidity with which he responded to lizzie's energy and humour and vitality at last she challenged him well what about dr orloff she asked he looked at her with a sudden startled glance then almost under his breath he said i don't go any more i thought you didn't want me to so sudden a confession of her power took her breath away she asked her next question but margaret she said he answered that as though he were arguing some long debated question with himself i don't know he replied slowly you were right that wasn't the proper way to bring her back even though it were genuine i must tell you miss rand he said suddenly flinging up his head and looking across at her you've shown me so many things since we first met i was getting into a very bad way indulging myself in my grief margaret wouldn't have liked that either but it wasn't until i knew you that i saw what i was doing thank you oh you mustn't she shook her head you mustn't take me for gospel like that mr lapsley you make me frightened for my responsibility we are friends and we must help one another but we must keep our independence he shook his head smiling there's always been somebody who's taken my independence away he said and i like it after he had gone she had the tussle of her life she ate dinner alone then sat far into the night fighting why should she fight at all here was the charge given straight into her hand the gift for which she had longed and longed the very man for her the man whom she could care for as she would her child care for and protect and guide and govern govern like a torch flaring between dark walls that word lit her soul for her govern that was what she wanted all her life she had wanted it she wanted to feel her power to dominate to command and all for his good she loved him she loved his sweetness and his goodness and his simplicity she could make him happy and contented and at ease for the rest of his days he should never have another anxiety never another responsibility why fight then wasn't it obviously the best thing in the world both for him and for her she needed him he her she abandoned herself then to happy tender thoughts of their life together what would it be what they could do with old mrs mackenzie's money she sat there trying to lose herself in that golden future she could not quite lose herself threading it was again and again the warning that something was not right with it that she was pursuing some course that she should not the clock struck half-past eleven she gave a little shiver the room was cold she knew then with that little shiver of what she had been thinking margaret lapsley why should she be thinking of her she was dead she could not complain and if she were still consciously with them surely she would rather that he should be cared for and loved and guarded than pursue a lonely life full of regrets and melancholy what kind of a girl had she been had she loved him as he had loved her how young she had died how young and fresh and happy lizzie shivered again bah 
she was old fifty and old old in thoughts and hopes and dreams pervaded by a damp mist of unhappiness she went to bed and lay there looking into the dark with the morning her scruples had vanished she saw margaret lapsley no more she was her own sane matter-of-fact mistress a delightful fortnight followed all her life afterwards lizzie looked back to those fourteen days as the happiest of her time they were together now every afternoon very often in the evening too they went to the theatre or music he was her faithful dog he agreed with all her suggestions eagerly implicitly mentally he was not stupid he knew many things that she did not and he was not so submissive that he would not argue he argued hotly growing excited calling out protests in a high treble then suddenly laughing like a child for those days she abandoned herself utterly she allowed herself to be surrounded to be hemmed in by the companionship the care the affection oh it was wonderful for her only those who had known her years and years of loneliness could appreciate what it was to her now to have this she warmed her hands at the fire of it and let the flames fan their heat upon her cheeks once she said to him isn't it strange that we should have made friends so quickly it isn't generally my way i'm a shy character you know so am i he answered her i never would have talked to you as i have if you hadn't helped me you have helped me wonderfully marvelously i only wish that margaret could have known you you would have helped her too he talked to her now continually of margaret but very happily with great contentment margaret would have loved you he liked to say lizzie was not so sure then suddenly came the afternoon for days past now inevitable when he asked her to marry him they were sitting together in the horton flat it was a day of intense heat all the windows were wide open the blinds down and into the dim gray shadowy air there struck shafts and lines of heat bringing with them a smell of dust and pavements the roses in a large yellow bowl on the centre table flung their thick scent across the dusky moat-threaded light the hot town lay below them like a still sea basking at the foot of their rock i want you to marry me lizzie he said it may seem very soon after margaret's death but it's what she would have wished i know please please don't refuse me i don't know how i have the impertinence to ask but i must i can't help myself at his words the happiness that had filled her heart during the last fortnight suddenly left her as water ebbs out of a pool she felt guilty wicked ashamed she had never before been so aware of his helplessness and also of some strange reproaching voice that blamed her why should she be blamed she looked at him and longed to take his head in her hands and kiss him and keep him beside her and never let him go again at last she told him that she would give him her answer the next day when at last he left her she was miserable weighted with a sense of some horrible crime and yet why what was there against such a marriage she was pursued that evening that night next day she would not see him but sent down word that she was unwell and would he come to-morrow all that day keeping alone in her flat feeling the waves of heat beat about her 
tired exhausted driven the whole of her life stole past her why should i not marry him why must i not marry him the consciousness that she was fighting somebody or something grew with her through the day towards evening when the heat faded and dusk swallowed the colors and patterns of her room she seemed to hear a voice you are not the wife for him he will have no freedom he will lose his character he will become a shadow and her answer was almost spoken to the still and empty room but he will be happy i will give him everything why may i not think of myself at last after all these years i've waited and waited and worked and worked and the answer came back you're old you're old you're old she was old she felt that night eighty a hundred she went to bed at last closed her eyes and slept she woke suddenly the room swam in moonlight she had forgotten to draw her blinds the high blue expanse of heaven flashing with fiery stars broke the gray spaces of her room with splendor she lay in bed watching the stars she was suddenly aware that a figure stood there between her bed and the thin shadowy pane she gazed at it with no fear but rather as though she had known it before it was the figure of a young girl in a white dress her hair was black her face very very young her eyes deep and innocent full of light her hands were lovely thin and pale shell-coloured against the starry sky the women looked at one another a little unspoken dialogue fell between them you are margaret yes you have come to tell me to leave him alone yes why oh don't you see he won't be happy he won't grow his soul won't grow with you you are not the woman for him someone else perhaps later but oh let me have him a little longer just now i love him so don't take him from me lizzie smiled you beautiful dear how young you are how lovely leave him to me leave him to me the moon fell into fleecy clouds the room was filled with shadow with the morning nothing had been dimmed lizzie was happy with a strange sense of companionship and comfort when edmund came she saw at once that he was greatly troubled well he asked her you've seen margaret she cried last night he nodded his head it may have been a dream you don't want to marry me oh yes don't think i would go back she put her hands on his shoulders it's all right edmund i'm not going to marry you i'm too old we're friends for always but nothing more margaret was right margaret he stared at her but you didn't know her i know her now she answered then laughing i've got two friends instead of one husband who knows that i'm not the richer as she spoke she seemed to feel on her cheek the soft gentle kiss of a young girl End of story ten.